0: Welcome to this verse by verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10:17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Acts chapter 27. Father, we thank you for your word. If we were trusting in news, we'd all be going crazy right now. We trust in your word. It hasn't changed. And it is going to be fulfilled. Your son is coming back. And the scriptures prior to his coming back will be fulfilled. And it's grieving. It's grieving in a a respect to see happening what's happening in our country as well as in this world. But yet your son said that it would be as the birth pains of a woman. There's no getting out of those birth pains. The baby is going to come one way or another. And so, Father, your son is coming back. We don't know the day or the hour, but we can know the season. We can know the signs. And so help us to pay attention and to be ready. It could be today, to be ready at any day for your son's return. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray for the gift of teaching. And as we're here today, Lord, help me not just be another Bible study. I really don't think we need more information. We need heart transformation. So use your word to transform our hearts to be more like your son, Jesus. Giving, loving, gracious, just, fair for your glory, Father. Pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, the last time we were in Acts, we had finished up in Paul's defense in front of Governor Festus, King Agrippa, and the king's sister, Bernice. And they made a comment that had been made before about Paul, that there was nothing worthy of death. Nothing worthy of death done by this man. And that he should have been set free, yet he had spent two years in jail there in Caesarea. Instead, Paul used his rights as a Roman citizen, and he appealed this case to the judgment seat of Caesar. We're going to see that he is heading towards Rome where he will spend the next two years under house arrest. You see, this treatment by Rome didn't bother Paul. Very important for us. And I didn't plan this all out. This is just the days we're living in. This treatment by Rome didn't bother Paul, but rather confirmed in his heart what God had told him decades earlier. And guys, we've been told centuries ago, two millenniums almost ago, 2,000 years ago, what is eventually going to take place. When you see the birth, the fig tree, the birth of the nation Israel, look up. When you see Jerusalem become its capital, and now the Israelites are sovereign over Jerusalem and the West Bank and the Golan Heights and the area that they used to have, under, which not even under King David. David had way more area. But the area that they at least had under King David, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming back. You see, he had been called to go to Rome. We're called to go to heaven. He had been called to preach the gospel to the current ruler, which at that time was Caesar Nero. Even Peter says, pray for the king. And the king in Peter's day was Caesar Nero, guys, who was killing Christians. And Peter says, pray for him. Paul says, pray for him. That is our role. So don't think this is new or that we're under some extreme persecution yet. They lived under extreme persecution. And they were saying, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar. Give to God the things that are God. Pray for these people. Guys, think about it. Nero's dead and gone for 2,000 years almost. How much power does he have? Zero. Zero power. People will come and go. Our God is not. He's coming back, and Jesus has power. So keep that in thought as we read these verses here in chapter 27. Let's pick it up in verse 1 and 2. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, we're going to Rome. Paul got an all-expense-paid trip to Rome. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So, entering a ship of Adramitium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia, Eritarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. So, it appears that Luke has rejoined Paul, notice us, has been with us, and he is going to give us a very detailed account of Paul's journey to Rome. We also see another brother come along of Paul named Eratarchus, and Paul mention, mentions him in Colossians 4.10 as a fellow prisoner. As a fellow prisoner. So as we read through this account, let's keep in mind that being a child of God is not like the last 20 or 30 years nonsense of Christianity. Health and wealth, blab it and grab it, your best life today. Let's keep in mind that being a child of God does not always mean smooth sailing in this life. Not at all. Especially if you're fortunate enough to hang around Paul. Just like Paul's voyage in front of us, believers will have storms that appear to come out of nowhere. Who's expecting what's been happening in December of 19? Not us anyways. Other people did, but most of us did not. There will be times of great distress and evil, even possible inner turmoil. Now even though we're not guaranteed an easy life, we are guaranteed as children of God that God will always be with us, and that's via the Holy Spirit. So if you're, you're an unbeliever here today, in other words, if I asked you if you died right now, would you go to heaven? Would you go to heaven? And you kind of go, well... I think so. That's not a good answer. That, you don't want to be basing your eternity on I hope so. You need Jesus as your Savior. Once you ask Jesus to become your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes within you, You'll find this in the Bible. And now you are a son or a daughter of God's. And if somebody asks you, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Absolutely. Absolutely. 2 Corinthians says to be asked from the body is to be present with the Lord. Absolutely. I have no doubt. Why? You're such a good person? No, because Jesus died for me on the cross and all my sins. God sees me as holy and blamable in his sight. Psalm 37, 23 says this, 24, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, so though the man may fall or the woman, he shall be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his, and that his there is God, with his hand. He will uphold us. And yes, we need to do our part. We always never separate that here. Please don't ever separate it. But unfortunately, what we put the emphasis on is our responsibility? Our responsibility. I, if I just did more for God, God would love me. If I just did this, I just did this, da, 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 and it becomes a work mentality instead of saying, "No, God's responsibility is there; man's responsibility is here." We we blend it together and we walk to be more like Jesus, showing fruit of salvation, not fruit for salvation. Verse three, the next day and the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. Very important principle here. The centurion trusted Paul and allowed him to go and refresh himself with his friends, and it shows us a principle that we can often forget the favor of God upon a believer. You see, God has a way of blessing his children even through their enemies. You will find this throughout the the scriptures. Nehemiah 2.8c says this, And the king granted them to me according to the good hand. Notice what Nehemiah says. Because I was such a good guy and I served him so well and I did all this and I did that, blah, 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 blah. Now what does Nehemiah say? The king granted them his request to me to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and restore the city, which then, hence, that was the time set, day, 183,880 days, I believe, from that commandment to the coming of the Messiah. Jesus came into Jerusalem on the exact day. You can do a study on that. Uh, the coming prince. It's called The Coming Prince. It's in a book called The Coming Prince granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. My God. God did this. It wasn't me. I mean, I just happened to be here for a time as this. But Nehemiah is giving God the credit. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to be ready for God to use us, but give God the credit. How many of us can testify that the Lord is taking care of us as well as giving us favor even in the midst of trials and tribulations? Anybody want to raise their hand for that? Raise your hand high if if that's uh, applicable to you. We will often obtain favor on a daily basis but do not recognize it as such. We just kind of go, oh, that was a coincidence. I, I call those things God incidents. God incidents. God intervenes in my life. We need to take the time to meditate upon how much God has blessed us and given us favor during our lives. And when we do, we'll be amazed at God's goodness and faithfulness. The more that you recognize this, the more you will realize God is so good and faithful even when I'm not. It will also build your faith and trust in him for the next storm that's going to come. Verses 4 through 7. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly, many days, and arrived with difficulty off Snidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmoni. It doesn't seem like it's been smooth sailing as you read this so far. The centurion found a grain ship, and you'll find out why it's a grain ship later on in the chapter, heading towards Rome, so he puts the prisoners on. Very important. We're going to learn later on in this chapter that Paul ended up having an opportunity to minister to all those who were on the ship. So as you and I, as we're going through these storms, whether it's a minor storm or a large storm, put your head down and keep plowing for the Lord. You have no idea God does what's at the end of the field. Keep plowing. Keep staying in the word of God. Keep focused on what God has for you. This is what we're going to see in the life of Paul, but we're going to see something very interesting as well. Again, even in the midst of our trials, God can use us to minister to others if we're mature in the faith. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, if you're going through a trial and you're grumbling and complaining and whining and sniveling, and somebody else is going through a trial, how are they going to be encouraged by you, a believer who goes to church every Sunday, maybe Wednesday, a believer who supposedly believes in the Bible, a believer who supposedly prays, a believer who tries to do their best in their faith, yet you're whining and grumbling and complaining and sniveling. Now, I understand we have emotions, and we've got to get them out very quickly. Get them out and get them out quickly, and then get back to God. We all have emotions. Don't dwell on them. Don't, don't make them your compass. Very bad idea. Verses 9 through 11 Now when much time had been spent, the sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster. Notice Paul, the Holy Spirit inspiring him. I believe that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. The fast here probably refers to the Day of Atonement, which falls in the September-October time frame. Sailors knew that it was dangerous to sail between mid-September and mid-November and that you just didn't sail at all between mid-November until February. So this is a no-brainer as far as the natural man is concerned, and Paul would have known that. Verse 12, And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also. If by any means, notice that, that's a big word, isn't it? Two letters. If by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening towards the southwest and northwest and winter there. Because of the harsh winters in Fair Havens where they were at, the crew decided to sail on to Phoenix. And this area is more sheltered from the winter storms, which meant more ships would dock there for the winter and would obviously provide more entertainment for the crew. That's always a good idea. It was only 40 miles away. I mean, we're, we're by ship. It shouldn't be that hard to get to. It's an easy journey as far as the experts were concerned. Verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had, had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. So they were staying relatively close to land. Here we see that the experts felt like they had obtained favor with the soft winds and they were going to head to Phoenix. In the situation, I can see a parallel with the experts of this day and age who will tell us to take the easy road. Don't die to your own desires. Do whatever you'd like to do to fulfill those desires. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me daily. Follow me. He's the expert. The rest, they're trying to be experts. Or how about, you know, if you're not happy in your current marriage, get out of it. There's someone else out there for you. The counsel I always give to people who have that mentality is, ah, can I point something out to you? That when you leave, you're taking yourself with you. So thought you might want to know that. Or how about if you don't like your supervisor... Then quit and find another job. Or are your parents giving you a hard time wanting you to mature? Then run away. Life's so much easier without your demand, without their demanding ideals. Any of us as teenagers ever had that thought? The rest of you are liars. Some of you, I shouldn't say all of you. Some of you are goody-goody and didn't want to run away. Unfortunately, today we live in a microwave age and a throwaway society, and I believe that that mentality has rolled over into Christianity. we moved away from dealing with problems biblically, hoping they don't follow us, and that they'll just go away, which is not a biblical truth. It's a matter of the heart, and no matter where we go, we take this desperately wicked heart with us. You see, there's not necessarily an easy way out of every trial or tribulation, and I personally believe that God places us in trials to mature us to become more like Jesus. How would I know that? Well, James 1, 2 says this. Your favorite verse in the Bible, right? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, where trials there is a putting to proof or adversity. Thanks, James. I, just, I really need that verse. That's, I'm going to make a plaque out of that, baby. How about First Peter chapter 1? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. As you're turning there, again, James, the son of Mary and Joseph. Jesus, the son of Mary, not Joseph. So James was the half brother of Jesus. First, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What does Peter say? And again, you guys, remember, this is under Caesar Nero, this is under intense persecution by fellow Jews, by Gentiles. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. How long do we have on this earth? The Bible says 70 years, if through pain and anguish, and I'm paraphrasing it, because once you get over 70, I'm over 60, I think it should be after 60 years. But anyway, (laughs) if by anguish you make it to 80, you've done really good. So 70 or 80 years. Now, my dad died at 100. Mom died at, at 95. It, it was, it, you know, In their older years, they weren't like, wow, this is dragging on. They were saying, it went so fast. It went so fast. 90 years went fast? I hope I don't make it. First Peter 1. So it's just a little while. If need be, you have been grieved. Notice this. You've been grieved. By various trials, there's, there is that grieving process. I've, I've mentioned it many times, and you, most of you have been here. This past year, and especially the last three months, there's been a lot of grieving going on. So it's natural. It's a, it's a part of this life. But, but Peter's saying, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. What is Peter telling us to do? Keep the proper perspective. It's also in Peter, 2 Peter, where there Peter says, A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are as a day. And so, most of you have heard this, but for those who haven't, you know, when I do Sunday school, I like doing the music, and every now and then you ask a question How long's eternity? And a little one will raise their hand, they'll go, Yes? Forever! Right on, it is. How long's forever? Another one will raise their hand, Eternity! Yeah! So, so for our little pea brains, I believe that the Holy Spirit gave Peter a verse. And so what I did is I took that, that down. I took 24 hours and divided it into 1,000 a, a years. And one hour of earth time, one hour of earth time is 41.6 years. Just to give us a glimpse. So by the time you got dressed, come here. By the time you get home, 83 years is gone. 83 years is gone. One month, no, what was that? So that's an hour. So one month is a little over four months, and one second is a little over four days. Got that? So you got four, eight, 12, 16, 20, 24, 28. January's gone. Half of February's gone by now. (laughs) Yeah, February's done. We're going into March. Okay? You want to have that perspective, guys. That's what Peter's saying. For a little while. Why? Verse 7. Why is it so important that we have that perspective? That the genuineness of your faith. Guys, what is the world looking at for, to us as believers? I mean, really, when you, when you get rid of all the nonsense, what do they really want to see are you genuine do you really believe what you say you believe do you really walk the talk that's what their that's what their deepest desire is they might not be able to express that but in their minds because i was an unbeliever and i saw a believer and that's what i was looking at i think every unbeliever does that whether consciously or unconsciously they want to know are you for real do you really believe this stuff are you really, do you really have peace with all this turmoil that's going on? Are you trying to tell me you have absolute peace in the middle of all this? And you look at them straight in the eye and you go, I have absolute peace. You're going to rock their world because they'll look back at you and they'll see that you are totally sincere and you're not playing a game. That's what they want to see, guys. And so Peter says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. And what are people trying to get us to buy right now? Buy gold, buy gold. Though it is tested by fire. Why do we test gold with fire? We bring the dross to the surface, skim it off, get rid of it so we can have pure gold may be found to praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What do trials and tribulations do? They heat it up, they heat it up, so those attitudes come up to the surface. We, we do whatever we do, and the Holy Spirit says, Should you have done that? Oh, no, I repent, I'm sorry, and the Holy Spirit skims it off. And he turns the heat on again at another time. You see, God's hand is always on the thermostat. He knows how much you could take, and he knows the, the maturing process. And what is one of the most prevalent temptations? Let's look at 1 Timothy 6. What is one of the most prevalent temptations that has come upon America in these last days, even within the Christian church, the health and wealth nonsense? 1 Timothy 6, 9. The blab it and grab it, confess it, possess it. It's all a bunch of heresy. It's from the pit of hell. How do I know that? Go use it in the Sudan. See how well it goes. Go use it somewhere where, where poverty is 98 percent of the state, and tell me how well it works. It doesn't, because it's a bunch of nonsense. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Timothy being inspired or Paul being inspired to write to Timothy, a young pastor. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown mankind, the word men there is mankind, in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, not money. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith. Notice what Paul is saying to Timothy, a young pastor Some, because they were pursuing after money, 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 they strayed. They've gotten off course. They've lost focus. And notice what he says. has pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue what? So instead of pursuing money, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness... Fight the good fight of faith. That word fight there, it means to struggle, to compete for a prize. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So as we look back towards Acts, be careful of the easy way, guys. Be careful of the easy way. The way of the cross is not an easy way. But it's the most wonderful way. You see, the cross is the best way. And the only way to die to the desires of self and selfish ambitions. That's why Jesus said that. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Which is your fleshly desires. The cross is not your mate, by the way. I should probably throw that in there. The cross is not your mate. It's your fleshly desires. Verse 14 in Acts 27. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Urak Ladan. Like that name. It's where we get the name northeastern from. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Klaudah, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergood the ship, and fearing lest we should run aground on Sartis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. I mean, Luke is very, very. <laughs> what a great picture! They took down the sails and just let the, the boat go where it would. They have been driven a little over 20 miles now and they see the island of Clada. The storm was so violent that they lifted the lifeboat out of the water and used ropes or chains to help hold the front of the boat together. Eventually they went back to the use of their sails, hoping to get past the dangerous part of the seabed in th- 18 and 19. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. Remember what Paul said? Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of cargo and ship, in verse 10, but also of our lives. The next day, they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard (laughs) with our own hands. The second day of the storm, they started to throw out the grain that was bound for Rome. Then on the third day, the experienced sailors, who knew better, threw over the hardware of the ship. You see, this was no small storm. And they were basically starting to do what? Panic! We're going down. The pros were going down. Verse 20, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. You see something interesting in that verse there? all hope that we would be saved. Who's the we? Paul. Paul was included in that. We wouldn't, we're not going to be saved. Verse 10, but also our lives, our lives. I might go down with this ship. Let's not sail. This is not a good idea. Why do I want to bring this up? With no stars or sun to navigate by, they believed that they were hopelessly lost. And again, we can learn from this situation that these men are in. They were looking for physical signs for their salvation. The next government's going to save us all. The vaccine's going to save us all. Masks are going to save us all. Separation is going to save us all. Shutting down is going to save us all. I'm not mocking or ridiculing it. That's what's just being said. you got to be mature enough to talk about the facts without mocking or ridiculing it. But that's what men, disposable experts, are telling us will happen. But there was a man on board who knew the creator of the sun and those stars used for navigational purposes. Psalm 147 says, he counts, he. And again, you know, we use all caps here. The he here is God. He counts the number of stars. God calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. God's understanding is infinite. No boundaries. He knows the end of the storm for Paul. And he knows the end of your storm. And he knows the beginning of the next storm. And he knows the end of that storm. And so forth and so on. Guys, don't forget that in 21. God knows what's going on. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of the men, verse twenty-one, and said, "Men, na 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 na. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. <laughs> you should have listened to me, and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and lost." <laughs> God just was just encouraging Paul, and that's what Paul is now coming to do to the men. How do I know that? Verse 22, just keep reading your Bible. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. Notice that. That's how I can deduce that Paul was afraid. Just keep reading your scriptures. Paul was afraid. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Remember, Paul? Remember the vision 20-plus years ago, Paul? Do you remember that vision where Jesus said, you're going to stand before kings? Don't forget that, Paul. And indeed, Uh, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Not just any king, but the emperor. And indeed, God has granted you and all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Take heart. And that's what I say to you this morning. Take heart, guys. God's plans and ways will be accomplished. Before it's all over, it's going to become as it was in Sodom. It's going to become as it was in the ways of Gomorrah. Hello. The days of Noah, the days of Lot. It will happen. And we're there. We're seeing it. So be very, very aware of that. Don't negate the word of God. So, very important. Even well seasoned, even well seasoned, faithful saints have moments of despair and disbelief. So, all of us in this room, even you well seasoned, even a well seasoned saint could have a moment of despair and disbelief. Don't beat yourself up, Don't, don't go down the road of emotions. Just kick yourself in the pants and get back in the word of God. Say, no, 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 I'm not going there. I'm not going there. The word of God. God, you got this under control. This is not new to you. You see, we all have human fleshly tendencies, which encourages me to walk, which encourages me in my walk with God. Not that I would use this as an excuse for a pity party, but rather to know that I'm not alone in my fleshly thoughts and that God can deliver me from those thoughts. Paul went through it. All the saints go through it. God delivered Paul, as we can see, and he went on to tell the rest of the group that he believed in his God. He momentarily, he momentarily forgot God's earlier promise. So God sent an angel to remind him of that promise, and God was greatly encouraged. I'm sorry, and Paul was greatly encouraged by that. Hey, O.C., will you do me a favor? Will you go out in the lobby? They're distracting me. I got S-I-N. I get easily distracted. If you can't figure that out, just spell it real slow. You'll come up with what it is. Now, even though he had a memory lapse, I don't believe that he stopped seeking after God. This is for you and me this morning. Even though he had a memory lapse, I don't believe that he stopped seeking after God. I believe that he was praying and desiring to hear from God. We do not see Paul running around and blaming the captain or others. Another an author once said this A crisis does not make a person. A crisis shows what a person is made of. Think about that. You might want to take a picture of that or write it down. A crisis does not make a person. A crisis shows what a person is made of. Do we still seek after God in our times of crisis, or do we fall into the trap of relying upon our own knowledge and devices? Now again, God gives us wisdom and knowledge, so I'm not saying throw that all out. But where is our ultimate reliance? Paul's response shows us that he was focused on, even in his time of despair, he pointed them back to God and his ways. However, in verse 26, we'll wrap it up. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So Paul has been told, and who is he going to believe in? The experts or God? God. So for us, wash your hands, be respectful, be wise, do the things that common sense tells us to do. Rely upon the experts to a certain extent. If you check the numbers, as we're going to start believing in science like never before, if you look at the numbers, what we're doing is not scientific. It's just not. So be in prayer. Be in prayer and be wise. And stay focused on the Word of God. And if God tells you something very specific, because you have health issues, you're elderly, something like that, do it. Do it. Do what God tells you to do. Do what God instructs you to do. But don't live in fear. Twenty-one is going to be again a year of fear, 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 fear. A more highly contagious form of the virus is coming upon us. I gave blood this past week, two weeks ago. So if you want to find out if you have the antibodies, give blood. Everybody that gives blood now, they're testing for antibodies automatically. Why? Because if you have the antibodies, then you can give, word just escaped my mind, plasma. And plasma is a lot more money than blood. They want your plasma. So if you're wondering if you have the antibodies, just go donate blood. It's free. And in two weeks, they're going to email you and say you have them or you don't have them. And I'm gonna, I am going gonna—I used to give, I actually have a, just a little history. I actually have a five-gallon pen. Um, I used to give in my 20s eight, every eight weeks regularly. Gave, 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 gave. I'm going to go back and doing that. And that's going to be my card when somebody says, uh, you need the shot. No, I don't. I've got antibodies. Get your shot out of here. If you have the antibodies, why would you need a shot? And I know some scientist right now is going to be yelling at his computer. (laughs) Father, I just thank you and praise you. You've not given us a spirit of fear. You've given us wisdom, and so we need to use wisdom. We do need to use wisdom. But Father, help us to have that balance in our lives where we're not letting fear drive us and call that wisdom when it's just really fear. Help us to use wisdom. Help us to, to distance and wash our hands and do all those things that are respectful to do but we also know our bodies you designed them to build up immunity we need herd immunity it has to happen but there are others just trying to cause fear that that won't work that won't help control 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 father we want to be controlled by your holy spirit and we want to pray for those who are trying to control our economy our government our lives we also know that it's in the Bible where control is ultimately going to be the tool to usher in the Antichrist, the false Messiah, the one who's going to be lifted up as God himself in the future during the tribulation. Father, we know that you're God, that your son Jesus died for the sins of humanity, and your Holy Spirit is wooing people to the cross. So Father, right now, our prayer for this room as well as the internet, as well as anyone may be listening to this on a CD, that they would acknowledge they're a sinner in need of a Savior, and they would ask Jesus to be their Savior. And that they allow your Holy Spirit to come within them and remove that fear that's being placed upon them by man, by women. That they'd be set free, and they'd use their, their newfound scriptural wisdom to help others. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Use us this week, Father, as we go out into a world of chaos. Use us to bring peace to someone who doesn't have peace, and that we can point them to You, Father. We can say, "It's because I have peace because of the Holy Spirit, who is called the Comforter." Help us, Lord, in Jesus' precious name, Amen. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, please come up for anything. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.